Dave Woodbowder and Barry. Barry Rose has, in fact, returned from vacation. That's news number one item. Uh, we're going to be discussing that. Uh, the Bowdrens are homeowners, Barry. Yes. Aww. We've, in fact, put pen to paper, signed. Uh, we discussed that uh, you know last week, are we going to be homeowners? In fact, we are. As a matter of fact, at the time we're recording this, in one week, the moving van will uh, probably be in reverse going down the old driveway uh, to the Bowdrens. Uh, and we're only moving like nine and, a half, nine and a half miles away, so it's not too far. Uh, so... Besides all that, we got, uh, oh, Barry, we're going to talk about my experiences with the good folks at a certain uh, investment and or insurance company that uh, left me highly, here's a good word, Barry, vexed. Do you like the word vexed? That's, that is a good word. Yes. I will be also discussing uh, our uh, trip down the Ocoee River Rapids uh, that we did recently. That was a lot of fun. Our match of the week is from my top 100, Barry. We're going March 27th, 1988, the very first clash of the champions as rick flair takes on the man called sting uh do your own tony shivani uh, impression if you want there so uh anyway uh, barry are you ready for yet another journey i this is so exciting to me jeff because uh not having been uh been able to record with you and and sweet lou over the last couple of weeks and look i love vacations right but recording now i'm back in the palatial studios I've got the headset on. I'm ready to record all day if we have to, Jeff. To quote Ace Freely, you are back, back in the New York groove. Uh, anyway, so on that note, why don't we start with our match of the week? Let's go look at the Clash of the Champions from March 27, 1988. Barry, continuing to look back at the missing top 100 matches of the 80s that we somehow failed to cover to our eternal shame. This week, Barry, oh, I know some of the brother shippers that are going to be real happy about this because from March 27th, 1988, in the venerable Greensboro Coliseum, our friends, front row section D, sitting ringside, it's Ric Flair versus Sting! It's Sting! Oh, sorry, I morphed Tony Schiavone there, Barry. Oh, this was a big deal when it happened, Barry, because they were going head-to-head with WrestleMania. Tell the folks what you thought about this match. Yeah, so, man, so much, I think, to say about this match and talk about Sting. And this was a really big deal. And, Jeff, I know that you remember because we were both uh, members of the wrestling newsletter community, similar to the Internet wrestling community that exists today. But this was a big deal, and primarily because this was the first Clash of Champions, and it was going directly opposite the WWF's biggest event. And it was free. It was on TVS. You didn't have to pay for it. And you knew for a fact that the matches on this, even the, the worst match on this was going to be better than the best match at WrestleMania at this stage. So this was a really big deal. I know this irked Vince beyond belief. I think Meltzer wrote about this. He's probably still writing about this, Jeff, to this day. Probably, a, yeah. Probably still is. And I got to tell you, I sat there because this was a pay-per-view really before we, I guess, fully understood what pay-per-views were. Uh, even though the WWF had been doing their version for the last three years or four years prior to this. But again, big deal. I believe this was a Sunday afternoon. I remember where I was. I remember watching it. Server manager. Oh, shit, shit. Hold on. Wait, 88 minus the 20. I was a kid and then I lost my virginity. I was a server, still a server here. Uh, But I got to tell you, I love this card. 
and I love this match. And this is, for a lot of people, and, and I think that this was the intent, this is the match that made Sting a superstar. And I, I got to, first off, let me say, I was a huge Sting fan prior to this and certainly for the next couple of years. And where I think I started to phase out of Sting a little bit, just because I know the world wants to hear where I started to phase out of Sting. Please, Barry, uh, oh, on exactly. behalf of the world, Chris Saha. Tell Chris us Saha exactly when Sting started fading out for you. Sitting on the edge of his seat going, tell me when this happened. I think it was, for me, I think he lost some luster when he was climbing the cage and he injured his knee and was out of action for was six months a year. I don't know what the time length was, but which was probably, what, a year or two years later after this. But prior to that, you know, I love Sting in the UWF. I, uh, you know, I, I'm not no Memphis or anything like that, but I loved him in the UWF. And it was really, really clear to me there that even Bill Watts saw the potential in Sting. Like this was, this was going to happen. And then certainly when Crockett took over and they bought UWF, whatever the circumstances were, Sting was getting a push. But when he came to Crockett, he got a huge push. And I think it was deservedly so because, A, he, he was decent in the ring. He was limited with what he could do. But at the same time, this guy had charisma bottled up enough for 50 different wrestlers. He had charisma, and it was like a natural charisma. It wasn't some forced, phony charisma that sometimes you see. And he was over with the crowd, could have decent matches. And it was clear to see that, you know, even a guy like Ric Flair respected Sting, even at this stage. So I, I was a huge Sting fan. Again, that lasted for a few years. I still look, I still like, I watched Sting, what was it, last week on uh, AEW when he came out of the coffin and uh, started punching uh, Malachi Black and some other guys. I, I'm still Collins. a fan. Who was it? It was Buddy Collins when he was coming out of the uh, the coffin. Of course, Buddy, Buddy Collins was nice enough to turn around and wait for Sting uh, and his advanced age, I, I, 60 plus, yeah. to actually get out of the coffin. It's like he Buddy's did, like, what do, do I got to do here, Sting? Hurry up and get out of the coffin. Yeah, it, he was. It reminded me a little bit, if you, you remember the, uh, well, I would say one of the greatest feuds of all time. And maybe that's an episode that we do at some point. We discuss the greatest wrestling feuds, but. Abdullah and Bruiser Brody, and when uh, when Brody would go chasing Abdullah, he Brody would walk sideways, so it didn't look like he was, you know, like he was just walking slow. He would try to walk sideways, very bizarre, but it worked. But again, this match made Sting a star, and, and this, I I think this also really it showed that. It, this was true competition to the WWF at that stage. You know, it was, uh, there was a lot of, and I think as wrestling fans, we always preferred the NWA and WCW, certainly. But I think it was showing, wow, wait, there really is competition here and that these guys are serious. And uh, it, again, stellar card, really good match. And I got to give Sting props. And you know what? I was critical. I got to say, maybe some, I was moderately critical when AEW signed Sting, which was, what, a year to two years ago. And look, they signed Mark Henry, and other than it's time for the main event. To me, whatever you're paying Mark Henry is a complete waste. I find the guy to be talentless. Uh, I could go on about Mark Henry for hours probably. But a guy like Sting, I was like, you're signing a 60-year-old. He's probably getting millions or more per year. What's he going to do for you? He's been really solid in this role for AEW as well. You really can't criticize what they're doing with him and what he's doing. 
Oh, uh, he's certainly given Darby Allen the rub, you know, uh, of his uh, being his partner or the guy that he follows up to the ring and stands at ringside with. So from that, you know, the you're uh, pretty much absolutely right on the uh, oh, Mark, wow, Mark Henry thing. 100% right, Barry. Mm-hmm. Hold on. Drinking water. Give me a check. Check. Thank you. Uh, about Mark Henry. Now, staying, uh, you know, you have to wonder exactly when that window is going to close because, folks, it's going to close. Right. The guy, the guy's in his 60s, and, you know, at some point doing the dive off the uh, the balcony is not going to be something he's going to want to do because you're going to, you know, hear those bones begin to crumble, and uh, it's just not going to be a good look. Yeah, so he's, he's definitely, you're right, served uh, a purpose. Uh, the signing that, uh, you know, that Tony Khan did, you know, signing him has certainly, I, I think, proved worthy just for the notoriety of having him. Some of the other signings may be a little more questionable. Yeah. And well, look, the big show is another one, right? I mean, big show. I think we've seen him, you know, a handful of times. And last I saw he was still, I think he may be doing something backstage. I don't know. But there was talk that, you know, he was going to, there be a new gimmick and all that. I, I think, I think that I think it's a different world currently. I think with Vince McMahon stepping down from the WWE and AEW, I think they've got to operate differently because WWE and I have not jumped back in, but I know that they've brought back guys that were let go over the last few months that Hunter Triple H did not agree with, and he brought these guys back. Uh, Carrying Cross, Killer Cross is one. Dexter Loomis is another. I believe that there's been a couple of others. But, you know, the WWE, with the exception of the paydays, I don't know how attractive of a a work environment it was for people to want to be in. And certainly we saw a huge defection. I don't think it was all based off of money. I think a lot of people were truly unhappy working there. And everything I'm reading and hearing, and again, I'm only reading and hearing what you guys read, which is, you know, either coming from Meltzer or something online, is that uh, it, it's become a better work environment. Guys are happy and guys are now going back. So I think if anything, I think for AEW, it's going to, be, it's now definitely a different type of competition because they're not going to be the preferred work environment any longer. They still might be, but WWE is making that case and the money is still in WWE. It's, you know, you can go work for AEW, easier schedule for sure. But some of these big contracts with the WWE, you know, for 10 years, et cetera, that's a lot of money. So I'm really curious to see where it's going to go. But with all of the people that they signed, and I'm not talking about, you know, guys like uh, FTR, or I'm not talking about guys that are still in the ring, you know, having great matches. I'm talking about the guys that were essentially retired and done, which are the Mark Henry's, the Stings, the big shows and whoever else that there is. In my opinion, I think Sting may be the only one that's actually really worked out well. Uh, and speaking of Sting, getting back to the match, Barry. <laughs> oh, yeah, and the match. Before we go too sideways here. Sure. So, yeah, and getting back to the match, Jeff, it really, it to me, this is, this absolutely 100% deserves to be on the top 100 list of matches from the 80s. And if it if it's not the greatest match you've ever seen. And it's a really good match. I mean, I don't let me take anything away. The historical significance and importance of this match, I think is far greater than a lot of matches. See, uh, uh, I made some notes on this match. Uh, first of all, we have uh, JJ Dillon in the cage uh, above the ring. You know, I, I, I gotta say, maybe this is just me, but I always wondered what happens if you're a guy that's up in the cage and I've seen, you know, matches where, 
You've had Cornette up there, JJ. I've seen pictures of old times when uh, the uh, Grand Wizard, when he was Abdullah Farouk, they'd put him up in the cage above there. What happens if you got to go to the bathroom and you're up there? <laughs> you're that, screwed. That, that could be very awkward, you know? It's like you're down in the ring. Hey, hey, uh, Rick, I really need to take a dump. Finish the matchup quick. Well, what? but you bring up a good point, too. And and I so I forget who I we talked about this with a wrestler at one point. And it, it's to me, it was less about, OK, you got to take a dump. You can hold it. It might be. But what if you did have a what if you had like a sugar free gummy bear? type of issue <laughs> or you had ethiopian and, on the way to the yeah, and there's nothing that you can do i mean if you're up so what do you do and there are so i'll uh i'll share this one uh okay so the, this this will be it so remember uh winona littleheart yes uh and she passed away a year or two ago uh she was the daughter of the wendy bark barkley i think and her father was dick barkley and uh she she was born into the business. Well, she was working uh, a match on Miami Beach one night when her monthly friend came to visit. Oh, into town. And yeah, and that was rough. And if you remember, and I want to say it was Jim Backlund versus Abdullah, and it was um, and Jim Backlund, he's got skid marks on his trunks. Oh Rest in peace to Jim Backlund as well. But so it does happen. But you, uh, you know, I was going to say famously, when I first started getting an observer in 86, there apparently was an incident in Kansas City with Big Bob Owens and Big Bob Owens uh, decided to have a little Ethiopian before the matches that night. And he also suffered from that malady. Perhaps that's something we can discuss on the board. Uh, other stories of uh, people uh, losing control, whether it be the. Uh, the front side, the back side, or the monthly visitor for the ladies coming into town. I'll share one more with you too. Okay, this one, please. Do. It, this one is is gross. And the scatological discussed... issue uh, episode of Breaking Kayfabe, Barry. Oh yeah, yeah. This 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 is like Pat Patreon content too, right here. So we talked about Toadstool and Toadstool Tank Morgan. Toadstool uh, credit to Lou Kippelman on that one, but Tank Morgan was a guy, and Kevin Sullivan told us this story where. He would work with, and he was a vet. He had been around for years, and and certainly there's a lot of uh, speculation on his side jobs. But he would, and this was Kevin Sullivan. He would work with the new guys, and then he would get you in a headlock, and he would, I guess, have liniment underneath his underarms, and then rub it in your face as he had you. Well, and I remember hearing this story right after this came out from somebody that had worked with him. He would put his finger up his poop chute and pull it out and then put it in the faces of guys when he had him in headlocks. Welcome to the business. That yeah. Kind of thing? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the business. Anyway. Ugh. So now uh, we're going to go from the, uh, the scatological portion of our, uh, our discussion back to the match. We seem to get sidetracked there, Barry. I don't know. So, yeah. so you got JJ in the cage and there's actually a, a part where a fan begins shaking the cage or grabbing the rope. Uh, and, you know, I'm just like some, you know, like we discussed with the, uh, DiBiase savage match. This is a guy that someone needs to take to the back and, uh, have someone, uh, accommodate his, uh, his requests for being a uh, more part of the show in the dressing room, uh, maybe introduce him to Dr. Death or one of the road warriors, that kind of thing. So, uh, always like to mention that when we're doing a Greensboro match, you're a ring announcer, the venerable Dr. Tom Miller. John Hitchcock's favorite ring announcer of all time and a great vet. Uh, so the match uh, for television is one fall with a 45-minute time limit. Barry, let's talk about 
are uh, judges at ringside. So here's something that I always loved. You know, we talked about we're comparing the uh, the NWA product to the WWF product at the time. So, you know, at WrestleMania 1, and whether you like this or not, okay, Vince had star power there. You, you had Muhammad Ali, you had Liberace, Billy Martin, all these people that were in the public eye. So the judges for this big TBS show, The Clash of the Champions, Crockett spares no expense by having Sandy Scott, Jason Hervey, Ken Osman, Eddie Haskell from Leave it to Beaver. How long had that show been <laughs> off the air, by the way? And then you had Patty Mullen, the 1988 penthouse pet of the year and star of the movie Frankenhooker. Yes, yes, you did. <laughs> no money was spared in getting this sort of talent to be a judge at ringside. Oh, boy. And, and of course, Ken Osman in full gimmick with the uh, the sweater, uh, you know, and didn't I hear he ended up maybe looking up? Was it? Didn't he end up becoming a cop in Los Angeles or something like that? He did. He yeah. did. Yeah. So uh, let's see. Uh, but I just thought it, it just came off as extremely low rent on on the judges. Uh, so so I was well, thinking it, it was Jeff. Let's yeah. let's be very <laughs> let's be very very honest. Well, about I thought it. it was a pretty controversial opinion I had there, Barry. You know, no, so. it, it was about as low rent as you could possibly get. Yes. Yes, and, and of course, your uh, the third man in the ring is uh, Tommy Young, always. Uh, you know, somebody that we've discussed as being one of the great in-ring officials in the history of the business. So I started thinking about all the guys that Sting had been tag team partners with before he finally broke out uh, as a single. Uh, you know, besides, of course, the Ultimate Warrior, he'd also been partners with Rick Steiner. Uh, Steiner and Sting was a great tag team in the UWF. I really liked them. That's yes. when both these guys were emerging. And, of course, he was tag team partners with Eddie Gilbert. Uh, when I think when uh, towards the end of the UWF and uh, going into the NWA when Eddie was still there, uh, as you mentioned, this is a career defining performance by Sting. It really made him a star. Blue uh, pointing out that perhaps Ken Osmond was there because TBS was doing a reboot of the new Leave It to Beaver. So you're absolutely right on that. But still, uh, th- this show had been off the air for like what 25 years or something like that at that point. So let's talk about fashion and the uh, wrestling business. Barry staying at this point in his career, sporting the rat tail. Do you remember when rat tails were a thing? Yeah, I do. I, you know what? So even with my, my massive fro, I was still able to have a rat tail. I think didn't everybody at one point have a rat I, tail? I had a mullet. I never went full rat tail though. Gotcha. I, I, can, I can safely say that. So, uh, there was a, a moment where Sting missed a drop kick, and I thought Flair and the announcers did a good job of covering it up. Uh, let's see um, what else here we got here. Uh, Jim Ross saying, uh, I'm sure that uh, Patty is seeing used to seeing some action, yeah, but this is real action. Uh, just a great moments. So Flair, uh, during a moment where uh, I think Sting had clipped his leg, and, uh, he screams into the microphone, my God, my God, my leg! And it was just Rick being Rick in the ring back when he was still the greatest in the world uh, and not a 73-year-old man uh, trying to have one last match. And apparently, Barry, by the way, not to get sidetracked again, passing out twice in his retirement match. Did you get a wind of that? No, did he really pass yeah, out twice? He, did. he passed out twice in the Jeez. ring. I mean, Ugh. really, you know. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Uh, there's a great dive by Sting. or 41 minutes into the match, and Sting's doing a dive. I thought that yeah. was tremendous stuff. Uh, the uh, the ring announcer, and I love when they do this, starts doing the countdown. 
at the 41 minute mark. You know, four minutes left, uh, three minutes left. I really feel like, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going the full draw because we've seen matches before where, you know, they start doing the countdown and all of a sudden with two minutes left, there's a pinfall or a submission. But I love because I think it really uh, for the live audience and, and the audience that's watching on TV, it really adds to the drama. They did a great uh, job doing that. Uh, I got to say, both guys look great here. And since, you know, during this time frame, there's a lot of people that were, you know, beginning to become dissatisfied with Dusty as the booker for the NWA and for Crockett. This was great booking by Dusty uh, on this match. Uh, and then you have four judges and somehow. How do you get a majority when you have four judges? <laughs> That's what I you know, like. Aren't you supposed to have three judges so that you have a, a two to three margin or whatever. And, and of course, with four judges, you're not going to get a margin. It's a draw, but a great match. You're right. Definitely belonged uh, in the uh, top 100 of the 80s. Uh, a match that was so important, uh, not just to uh, the NWA, but to the business. Because you know, we, we talk. We're, we're talking about AEW there when we got sidetracked. And, you know, one of the things that you and I have said, and that I really feel that uh, is important for a second company to have a certain foothold is it makes the other, it makes the WWF or, or WWE step up their game. And, right. you know, maybe after this show was such a success and Vince got super pissed off, maybe he stepped up his game. You know, maybe he came up with uh, a different, uh, you know, uh, booking idea, decided to uh, do something a little different to make things uh, more appealing to his audience. You know, that's the kind of thing that happens. That's one of the things that we've always said about why we're in favor of AEW succeeding is because it forces them to step up the game. Now, with Triple H in charge, I got a call from a friend of mine that said, man, the first show after Triple H took over was really a step up. Gee, go figure, because now, whether they want to admit it or not, they have creative, uh, you know, people uh, going against them creatively, even if the ratings are, are different, okay? You've got someone presenting another product a different way, so now it forces them to step up their game. Apparently, at least on the first show or two, that's what Triple H has done. I hope they, I hope they get to the point where Barry and I are going to be like, you know what? We got to fucking start watching the WWE again, because apparently they're really doing good stuff. I want that to happen, Barry. What about you? Absolutely. And you know, it's, it, I don't want the, I don't want what I like to be destroyed. And, and I, I, the reason I put that up there is, and I, I think with AEW, we're very safe. I mean, uh, Tony Khan and his family, they're billionaires. So I, I think the money is there. I'm not concerned, but you know, when I, I, I do think there's going to be a, a resurrection of the WWE in a sense. And I, I, I would think impact might feel it though. Impact has got their niche. Uh, it, you know, they put guys that might not be working on top somewhere else. They put them on top. So people tune into impact, but they don't see that as a game changer. I'm sorry, Jaworski. That's not a knock on impact, but it hey, is they have, good, they have like one or two people watching the show. So when the well, ratings come out, they'll be like, well, our ratings in Pittsburgh apparently are very high. Anyway, go ahead. exactly. Exactly. The ratings in Pittsburgh are high. And the truth is, look, they, it's actually, it's a decent, it's a decent product. It's not bad, but uh, I think part of it is exposure when it comes to them. But to your point specifically, it is so good. Competition makes it better for everyone, including especially the fans. And I can tell you, you know, you go back 20, 25 years 
and you look at uh, WCW versus the WWE and the Monday Night Wars, it was a lot of fun because who's jumping next and who's doing this and who's doing that? And it, it made them offer a better product at the end of the day. So I, I think this is a good thing. I'm excited by it. Barriano, recently you had the big vacay down in Florida, a place that is your uh, your little warm nookie blanket, uh, you know, that you love to have. That's what Florida is to you. You had some time at the beach. You had some time hitting some restaurants. Tell the folks about the vacay in Florida, Bear. Yeah, and I got to say, it was uh, this was a vacation to end all vacations. It was. Uh, the first time in the state of Florida with uh, the lovely Linda, and uh, we had been in California for eight or nine days going back about three months ago, but we were able to drive down to Florida, and there were some revelations. Even though we've been a couple now, she's approaching, I think, our 10th month, uh, there were some revelations on this trip. Uh, and you're, you're not talking uh, Bible, uh, book of revelations because no, we, I wouldn't be, I was going to be very surprised. Barry. Yeah. So would I, so uh, no, there, there was no, uh, there's those discussions. There, well, I, let me say there were, uh, where it was, Oh God, Oh God. Yes, but I don't okay, know if that yeah, counts. Yeah. Was that yeah. by her or you? Well, uh, or Ozzy, right? So who oh, knows? Yeah. But yeah, but it was, uh, there were some revelations on that trip and, uh, I got to say, so our first meal, we began our journey on a Saturday. And uh, we grabbed lunch somewhere. I think we actually hit Publix, got a pub sub. She was not a fan of the particular pub sub that I have chosen. On that note, Jeff, you had clued me in on to the uh, shrimp po'boy. Yes. Indeed. And as it turns out, it's a combination of smoked Cajun turkey and shrimp po'boy sub. So, of course, when I was there at 11, 15, 11, 30, the shrimp are not ready. So I went with an Italian. She wasn't that crazy about it. But dinner that night was Culver's. And it was Linda's first time at a Culver's. And look, we're all big fans, especially on this podcast. We're big fans of Culver's and uh, a whole bunch of other different uh, fast food chains and outlets. But uh, I got what I normally get. I got a uh, double cheeseburger with the cheddar cheese bun. I got some cheese curds, pretzel bites, and then I get a side of the cheese sauce. I put the curds on the burger. I dip that into the cheese sauce. It's like a cheese heart attack overload. And Linda is a really healthy eater, first off. She is not a, and I'll talk about that in a little bit too. She's not a garbage type eater. Uh, she tries to eat uh, super healthy and generally does great with that course, get around me, get around you. Of course, it, th those things are going to change. So she took a bite of the burger and said, wow, that's really good. And uh, she, we, we ate, we got some dessert. She then fell in love with the custard from Culver's. And I think, and to wrap that up, I think we went to Culver's between that trip, the trip home and being down in Florida, I think we had four to five visits to Culver's and her words to me were, and Jeff, this is where I, I get a little weepy. I'm a weepy dad. You know that. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I've heard uh, the reviews say that you're a weepy guy and that, uh, you know, it's a little cringeworthy apparently. Well, you know, <laughs> Lou is the, Lou is the, is the glue Lou's that the holds star. this show together. I can be cringeworthy with my weepy dad stuff. So let me get a little weepy. I'm, I'm telling the same tired jokes. Uh, you know, yeah, and, that's right. Linda, ahead. Linda looked me in the eye and I, I looked her right back in the eye and those beautiful she, blue eyes of yours. Go ahead. Yes. And her beautiful blue eyes. And she said to me, 
<sighs> I love Culver's. And I, when she said that, Jeff, it was like it was like my child had just grown up and you know had become like a doctor, or a lawyer. It was such a a moment where I felt like, oh my God, this is just wonderful. My girlfriend has just said to me, "I love Culver's. All is right." You're being you're being a weepy dad now, Barry. I'm being a weepy. Well, I'm good at being a weepy dad. That's so that's what I hear. That's it's the truth. So the next day we uh, we arrived in Florida. Tra- traffic the first day sucked. Second day wasn't so bad, and we stopped at a tropical smoothie cafe. Now I did that, and Linda said, "Why did you stop here?" I had never been to one, and I said, "I I didn't want to subject you to like three or four meals of all the shit that I eat, so I wanted to take you somewhere where I thought it might be a little bit healthier." And we ordered a Thai chicken wrap and a watermelon mojito smoothie. And I got to tell you, Jeff, I was fucking blown away. And uh, let's, so the Thai chicken wrap was delicious. Cilantro, carrots, all the peanuts, Thai flavors. They actually grilled the wrap, which I found like, wow, you give a shit. You know, this is not a cold wrap that so many Mexican restaurants just give you a cold wrap. They actually grilled it and it was really good. This watermelon mojito smoothie, oh my God. So we took a couple of sips. We both were like, is that, you know, are we hungry? Are we thirsty? Why is this so good? And we found ourselves craving this. We went back twice to get smoothies from this place. And then yesterday in Philadelphia, we left the swimming pool and drove 20 minutes to go get one because there's one near me. I had never been in one of these before. If, if it sounds good, watermelon mojito, run to tropical smoothie cafe right now and and go so anyways enough of the food for the moment made it to the beach we checked into where we were staying we i think we dropped our bags put on our bathing suits made it to the beach stayed out for three or four hours at the beach we really had great weather we didn't lose any time or we didn't lose a day the only day i believe was tuesday uh, it was Tuesday where it rained in the afternoon. So what do you do when it rains in the afternoon? You go to the new Portillo's that was about 10 minutes away. And again, Linda's first time ever to Portillo's. We got, uh, I got what I normally get, which is the uh, delicious uh, large Italian beef with the hot peppers. We got some fries, uh, got a beverage. Linda got a Chicago hot dog. Didn't love Portillo's the way that we do. And I uh, – Wait a minute. This could be a game changer. Man. Well, so there there was a moment there where I started to stand up and head towards the car saying I'm going to the bathroom thinking, all right, this is it, right? Find you your better, own way home. Yeah, it's fine. You know, whatever. This might be it. But she said – when it was all said and done, she said, no, Portillo's was okay. Don't get me wrong. It's just not my style of food, and I'm not craving it. And again, I do think the hook of uh, Culver's was all the cheese and the custard. So she liked Portillo's. She could certainly see why I liked it. But at the same time, uh, she wasn't a gigantic fan. If she never goes back, I'm sure she's fine. We'll say they have opened up a new location in St. Petersburg, Florida now, Jeff. Beautiful, beautiful property and building. It was packed. You know, and and I I gotta say I love it as I always do. So Went let, to let, me, a, let me interrupt you for a second please. here. Oh, you're talking about something uh, opening up. <laughs> Noticed the other day next to where my wife works, they had a uh, I believe it was a bank, and they've torn down the bank, and they are in the process of building Barry first one in the area, 
I know we've mentioned this restaurant before, but I couldn't recall if you had visited there and were a fan. Barry Rose, they are opening a Whataburger. Ah, so you've eaten at the one in Jacksonville, right? I don't believe I have, no. Okay, then Spiker has. I thought you – so there's one – you know what? When Please I say don't Jacksonville, confuse me with Spiker. Continue. I know, right? It's uh, There's one – if it's not in Jacksonville, it certainly is right there. But there's a Whataburger. They're real big out in Texas and the West yes. Coast. Oh, I know about the Texas. You know. Yeah, and the one in Jacksonville I think has been there for years. A lot of people will tell you uh, that Whataburger is the best burger chain in the country. I still go with In-N-Out Burger. However, Whataburger is good. I'm also going to slip this in on our car ride home as we were reviewing all that we did on our vacation and reviewing the food. <sighs> okay, hold on. I got to dab tears from my eyes again. It's Linda another looked, dad moment. Go ahead. It is. Weepy dad. Linda looked at me and said, of all the burgers we've had, In-N-Out Burger is my favorite. <laughs> and instantly she had redeemed herself. Instantly, I got on my knees and proposed marriage because what, what, if, what, what, what? if someone you're yeah, – well, maybe me? not. But but my point being if someone tells you that you're dating, it's a, that you're, uh, somebody that you're romantically involved with, that the best burger I've had is In-N-Out Burger, that, that's a keeper. As they like to say, that's not somebody that you would ever discard. So I was – I got to tell you, I was really uh, – and the fact that she bought me In-N-Out Burger one night when we were out in L.A., also a big deal. So, so that, that was really, really big for me. We, we, we hit Columbia one night at Linda's first time at Columbia. We got the, what I always get Jeff, which is the 1905 salad. And I was describing it to Linda. So, so Linda, let me tell you, we go out to lunch at Columbia. There's about 35 of us there. The only woman that's there is the sainted Mrs. Bowdrin. And then it's essentially 30, 34 guys that are there, and people are getting huge sandwiches, getting meats, et cetera. Of course, Mrs. Bowdrin and I are the ones getting the salads, right? So I, uh, I definitely was taking shots at myself, but we got the 1905 salad. I think that might be the best salad in the world. That is my favorite salad. And then we got these stuffed shrimp with crab meat. Fantastic. And then, of course, I was so full when I left. They're now selling the salad dressing in bottles. I didn't buy any because I was full. Now that I'm home, boy, that's a fucking regret because that salad dressing's off the charts. But she loved going to now, Columbia. What is the uh, salad dressing? What kind is it? It's a, it's a garlicky. I don't know exact, but it's a garlic-based salad dressing. Okay. So I, I love it, but I also think you know what? I could marinate some fucking killer chicken in that salad dressing as well. Uh, so I'm actually going to reach out, I think Amazon, and I'm sure they sell it online that I'll be able to, to grab some. We also hit slice. Now I've talked about slice previously, and I'm going to give you what I think is the good and bad of slice. And I think I only gave you the good previously when we talked slice is an elevated pizza place in the Madeira beach area where, uh, when you sit on the outside deck, there's live music at times. You can see the bay. Uh, it's got a great view of the water. Uh, you can bring your dog. Uh, you know, I always bring Ozzy. And the food is really good. And uh, we were there, and I got – the first night, we got pizza, salad, and garlic knots. Let's talk about the good. The salad was great. You don't want to fucking hear about the salad. The garlic knots, though, Jeff, may have just been the best garlic knots I had ever gotten. 
And that says a lot because I eat a lot uh, of garlic. High praise indeed. That's high, that's high praise. I, I love garlic knots as well. And Linda does as well. And we really were embracing these garlic knots. And then the pizza arrived. And this would be the fifth or sixth time I've gotten pizza from Slice. And I think it was the fifth or sixth variation of what they do with a pizza, meaning there's no consistency in the kitchen. And the pizza was not as good. There are times I thought this was one of the better pizzas I've ever had. This night, undercooked. Just I blame the manager. I blame somebody for not at least being consistent in the kitchen. And I got to say, the salad was good. Again, the garlic knots were through the roof. The ambiance is 10 stars. The pizza, pizza was probably a solid five, which is not great. Didn't stop us from going back uh, four or five nights later. And we were going back primarily. They have an alcoholic beverage. It's a lime. It's like fresh lemonade with, I think, Tito's vodka, but it's got real lemonade in there. So there's like a lot of pulp and stuff. So, you know, it's real. So we went back, got a couple of these cocktails, ordered a brie wheel. Do Do you ever eat the brie wheel? I do, do you not. Have any idea what the fuck I'm talking about? Well, no? <laughs> I, I mean, uh, I'm a uh, a fan of uh, your occasional uh, wheel of cheese, but uh, okay, not not, yes. not the uh, the the wheel of brie, if you will. So I've never been a fan, and I I always feel like uh, I'm in this minority with this because people go, "Oh my God, brie's the greatest fucking thing ever!" And for whatever reason, anytime I've ever had it, I've been like, "Eh, you know, whatever." I don't, no biggie to me, right? Well, uh, we ordered the brie wheel comes with fruit nuts and shit drizzled over the top. Boy, it was fucking out of this world. And we got the garlic knots. Ah, the garlic knots, Jeff, not at the same level as no, the No, no consistency. Ding, ding. So I thought it was just the pizza. It's not. It is. It, the food coming out of the kitchen is just not consistent. That bu- it bugs me because I want to love Slice. If anybody's listening from Slice, if the management, which I'm sure they listen uh, religiously. Absolutely. Uh, I'm sure that they're sitting there going, we need to, but honestly, if you want to have a successful business and look, McDonald's for better or worse, or what you think a big Mac in New York city is going to taste the same as a big fucking Mac in Madera beach, Florida. So there's no reason I should go into slice, you know, on two different days, four days apart, and the food's going to taste completely different. So with that, I still love Slice. I want to love Slice. I will continue to go. Consistency needs to happen to come out of your kitchen. Because I went back for the garlic knots. This time, not a lot of garlic, not a lot of olive oil, just like plain type of bread knots. So I, I didn't love it. However, the best meal we may have had was at a restaurant called Noble Crust. And I know I've talked about it. Zach and I were there in December. I've been there twice previously. Uh, I talked to uh, Frankie and Janice Seacrest. They live in St. Pete where this restaurant is. And they said, oh, yeah, we always will take clients to Noble Crust. It's fantastic. Noble Crust is gets my vote for, in my opinion, one of the best restaurants in the country that I've been to in the last few years. And the reason being, A, it is always consistent. Everything about it is consistent. The staff is consistent. The service is consistent. The food, the drinks, everything about the property is always on the money. We also got garlic knots here. Now, Linda said these were the best she's ever had, and these were different, Jeff. These were skillet garlic knots. So imagine five garlic knots put into a skillet 
bursting out of this skillet, drizzled with cheese and olive oil and all types of sautéed garlic. Oh, my God. Absolutely fantastic. Also got uh, a chicken parmesan, if I'm recalling correctly, that Linda said was one of the best she's ever had uh, in her entire life. And just great, great service. This is a place I'm happy to leave 25 and 30% because they, they get it. They're, they're not overly attentive, but they're attentive to the needs of what diners need. They're personable. Honestly, one of the faults I have when I go to a restaurant is I critique it and I don't want to. I want to just go and fucking eat, right? But I, it's the same way. If you were in a jury, right, you'd be critiquing shit. You spend 30 years somewhere, you're going to naturally have opinions and critique shit. So I walk into restaurants, I critique it. I It drives me crazy. It drives certainly Linda and my kids crazy. It probably drives you crazy as well, Jeff. But with that, uh, this was as near a perfect dining experience as I may have ever had, which means uh, Noble Cross may be my favorite restaurant because it's just out of this world. Other notables that we, uh, we when it comes to food, we went to the Lucky Lobster in Dunedin. This is the restaurant that the night after the Fan Fest in November, uh, it was Michael Herrick, Ron Lemieux, and Neely Jay. And myself, we we and you know we we piled into a car and we drove to Dunedin and got the Lucky Lobster. Uh, they specialize in a lobster cob salad. Now I know again you don't like salads, but I, I know that Michael got it, I got it, and somebody else may have gotten it uh, at the table. It's a gigantic cob salad with fresh lobster. It's out of this. So it's not just a big salad, Barry. It's a gigantic salad. Do you know how you make a big salad, Jeff? How do you make a big salad, Barry? You take two salads and you put them together. <laughs> that makes a big salad. So uh, so we got that, and uh, this was a great scene. So the, this was a uh, Saturday night. The restaurant was packed. Uh, we, I had made a reservation, but we still had to wait for a table because they were jamming. There was live music. We ate. We drank. It was fun. At some point during the meal, towards the end, Linda taps me on the shoulder and goes, uh, you may need to get Ozzy. Ozzy had slipped out of his leash and was roaming a packed restaurant, visiting everybody's table, looking for food. He is and a social animal after all. Super social. And I got to tell you, the people in the restaurant loved it. The server didn't love it that much, but everybody else loved it. And uh, I was like, Ozzy, let's go back. So they were playing a song live music. And I was like, Linda, why don't we dance? And we're like in our shorts and flip-flops. It's casual, but it's fun. And we start to dance. I'm holding Ozzy. He's jealous and grabs my leg and goes to town on it. So if you can get a visual of Linda and I embracing as we're dancing with Ozzy fucking my leg, uh, <laughs> it was the musician had to stop singing for 30 seconds because he was laughing too hard. He kept playing his guitar, though. But uh, then we left. We got ice cream in Dunedin. Linda said to me at the end, this is where I want to move. This is where I want to spend uh, the rest of my life Dunedin, Florida. And of course, I've been talking about moving to Florida now for probably the entire four years that we almost five, Jeff, we're like two months away from five years about moving to Florida. And, uh, she said, this is where I want to move. And Dunedin's great. There's life. 
Uh, there's a lot of people out on the streets. It's beautiful. It's on the water, restaurants, music, everything. It's just, it is a great place. So that was great. So let's see. We hit Publix again. We got a chicken tender sub. Linda loved the chicken tender sub. But some things we did that weren't food related. And I should say, too, I mean, God knows, I think we encompassed a lot. We did go to Swordfish Grill with uh, Frankie and Janice Seacrest, which was great. Uh, Had a chance for the four of us to go grab some cocktails and some food. Weather was not good that night. So normally we would sit outside live music, but it was still a lot of fun to be able to hang out with them. And uh, and as Linda said to me, she goes, well, I guess I got to meet Jeff now. Right. Who's left? And I said, well, Jeff and Pete would be the two that are absolutely left. Uh, but she's looking forward to meeting no you Flaherty. at some point. No Flaherty. No, she did not. However, Flaherty was a topic of conversation at oh the my. table. Do you remember the game that we played? And, uh, and, and I'll be careful when I say this, Jeff, we, <laughs> we left Ford's garage and you said to me, who would you rather be in a car with? Oh yeah. Strapped I in a car. Okay, I know what you're talking so about here was the funny thing. They, out of the three names you gave me, two of those names, they said, they said, who's more annoying, this person or this person? And I said, oh, my God. I said, Jeff said the same thing to me, but he added a third name. And I'm not going to mention any of the names, <clears throat> Flaherty. But with that, they they felt pretty much the same way that you did. Like that was, But he was a topic of conversation there. But uh, we had a nice chat. We were on e-bikes. Have you ever ridden an e-bike? Jeff, have you, first off, have you ridden a bike in the last 30 years? Yes, I have, as a matter of fact. All right. Mr. Have you? Mr. Disparaging. <laughs> <laughs> have, you, have, you, have you ever ridden an e-bike? I have not. So my first time, Linda's first time, I believe, riding an e-bike. I got to say it's a game changer because you're not really doing a whole lot of work. It's essentially the bike is kind of doing That's what appealed to you there. <laughs> That's 100% what appealed to me. I, I don't want to fucking ride a bike and be out of breath and like, no, I want to enjoy myself. So you're on an e-bike, but what happens is there's three different speeds, and the e-bike only goes if you pedal. So – as I learned, there are certain times when if you're riding a regular, let's say you're crossing a street. And I think the law is you're supposed to walk a bike across the street anyways, but I didn't do that. But you ride the bike. And if you stop pedaling, the bike just go, you know, flows naturally. If you pedal, it, it has increased speed. So I almost made it to the curb. And then I pedaled. All of a sudden, I'm like on the fucking curb. I'm like hitting lampposts, all this shit. These e-bikes were a game changer. We got to see uh, all of Madeira Beach and Reddington Shores on an e-bike. Uh, and then we, the, the second day we did it, there was a very meaningful moment for me. And uh, as I get older, I do have these meaningful moments that remind me a lot of times of my childhood. And as I've talked, I grew up essentially on a beach and there was a bay and I used to go swimming with my friends in the bay all the time, almost on a daily basis. Well, we were riding the bikes. There was an opportunity where I could get in and out of the bay. I parked, I went swimming for 15 minutes and I just sat in the bay and I was literally 12 years old again, you know, which like I am anyways, but it was just, that was a real moment. We also rented a boat. Uh, we had a four hour boat rental and we took a boat up and down the coast on the bay. We didn't go into the ocean. And uh, that was spectacular. Saw a lot of dolphin. And I'm going to tell you this, this one, which is pretty cool. We saw a lot of dolphin jumping that day. And pardon me as I burp up my guacamole lunch. Thank you. 
And we got into the water uh, because it was urination time, right? So we both got in the water. We peed in the bay. And we pulled up the anchor and started going again. And within four or five minutes, there was a four to five foot shark swimming around the mangroves. So while I don't think it would have been any sort of issue, it was just probably just trying to get a whiff of the urine uh, that you'd left. Uh, Yeah, exactly. He's like, what the fuck, dude? What the fuck? So uh, so this is a bay, not your private toilet. What's up with this? Exactly. What, What about pollution and shit like that? So. So we did that. We did some paddle boarding. We took Ozzy to the dog beach a couple of times. It was really a spectacular vacation. And I, I've been in that area now. This was my fourth trip. And this was what I thought the beauty of it was. The first time I went with Zoe. Second time I went by myself. Third time I went with Zach. And fourth time I took my girlfriend. And every single time I've gone, it's been a completely different experience because I'm with different people. So, uh, I got to say, I, I love the area. I, I'll break kayfabe on air at the moment, Jeff. You're already aware of this, and Lou is aware what the, of this. But what, what? I, was, uh, I am leaving my current work, uh, my, my current employer, two weeks from today, based off of uh, this recording, is when I start my new job. And the first thing that- And boom goes me, the dynamite. Go ahead. Exactly. But th- this is where it's interesting. The first thing that they said to me was, you can start off in Pennsylvania and transfer to Florida. You can start off in PA and stay there, or you can move down to Florida and work there. Whatever you want to do is good. And when I heard those words, it was basically, hmm, how quickly can I get down to Florida? The lovely Zoe, uh, who is the apple of my eye. This is where the weepy dad stuff comes in, obviously, Jeff. Get ready, all you reviewers. Get ready. Zoe is off to college. I am taking her in six days. And uh, at that point, there's not much really keeping me around PA. I have a girlfriend. She's willing to move down to Florida with me. But I've stayed here primarily for the last few years uh, because my kids were here. And even though I was separated and then subsequently divorced, there was no way I was going to move out of state and not be near my kids. Just wasn't going to happen. And even though I wanted to be in Florida. Well, as of next Monday, seven days from this recording, there's little keeping me here. So I will actively be searching to relocate down to Florida with a new job, having my girlfriend with me. Super excited. Wow. If only yeah. you knew real estate agents in the area, Bear. Hmm. If I only knew, I think I know three. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you're but, one with uh, Penzer, is what you're saying. <clears throat> well, anyway. Maybe not, but yeah. <laughs> Penzer, so, uh, as someone once told me, and this would be the young lady at the hotel that handles all of our arrangements, she looked me in the eye one day and said, You know, Dave doesn't respond to my emails or phone calls. Dave's on Dave time, isn't he? And I said, Dave is on Dave time. So uh, I think he is a very successful real estate agent, actually. And I don't know if you saw this and why we're on Penzer for a minute, and then I'll get off of Penzer because certainly I don't don't want you to be on Penzer either. I don't want to be on Penzer. That's not a site I want to think about. He sent me a text yesterday, and he had just boarded a flight uh, from Chicago to Tampa. And Chicago had just done the impact tapings. I guess it was two days of impact taping. So he was up there and he goes, I might be wrong, but there is a guy who is hacking up a lung that looks exactly like Tiger Chung Lee, Kim Duck. And I said, how fucking cool if it's him. Turns out it was him. Penzer got a photo with him. 
he was at uh, a fan fest in the Charlotte area, I guess a week and a half ago, and it was spending the majority of the month of August in the U.S. before he heads back to Japan. But I thought that was pretty cool. Tiger Chung Lee, Kim Duck on the same flight. Yeah. What are the odds well, of that, huh? Yeah. So, uh, all right. So uh, is that the end of uh, vacation time with Uncle Barry? <sighs> Sadly, it is. I wish. Uh, and there were some things that I probably can't share. I, I mean, I know for a fact I can't share, but that was a lot of what it was. But end result, looking to get permanently in the state of Florida as quickly as possible. Now. So now did I, my last question sure. uh, is, did the company tell you, you know, you can, you can live in F- uh, Philly if you want, you can live in Florida if you want. But the one thing by God, you can't do is you can't be in the Bay. If you come to live in Florida, the ocean's fine. The Bay that's off limits. <laughs> they did not. But, uh, I'm trying to figure out a way where I can work directly from a beach. Uh, that would be my ultimate goal is to spend, you know, I'll be 59, what, in two months, Jeff. And uh, as we get older, I figure, all right, how many more good years that are left here, right? You know, it, what do I have? Max 10 good years when I'm just about 70. I mean, really max 20 when I'm 80. My ass, my fat ass needs to be on a beach at some point. I can tell you that the uh, the 80-year-old uh, Bowdrin and Barry uh, episodes are going to be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Ah! You know, I can tell you when, when that George Hackenschmidt, he was a worker. I don't mind telling you. What'd you say? Barry, do you love a good story? I love good stories. Jeff, here's the caveat to that. I happen to be very good friends with an excellent storyteller as well. Mm. So, uh, yeah, Penzer is a great storyteller. Uh, so, you know, we spoke recently that uh, the sainted Mrs. Bowder and I, uh, of course, are now homeowners. I can tell you that. Uh, moving to uh, to Gainesville, Georgia. So, of course, we're uh, in the process of purchasing the home. We got to get all our finances, uh, the ducks in a row, if you will. And when I worked at the uh, clerk of courts in Broward County, of course, I had an account with a uh, a certain company to uh, you know for my retirement investments and uh, you know et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and. Uh, Barry, are you familiar with the company that says they're on your side? Yeah. Are we not going to mention them by name? Well, we can say nationwide if you want. Okay. We'll say so, nationwide. Uh, uh, nationwide is on your side. Yes. We're all, we've all heard those commercials, I'm sure. So let me tell you folks about my experience <laughs> with the good folks at Nationwide. So we need to come up with the, uh, the financial uh, capabilities of putting a, uh, a, a down payment on our home. Okay. And, uh, you know, of course you've got the, the, the part where you put the money down that uh, kind of secures the home for you. And then uh, once all the paperwork comes in, then you deposit the rest of the down payment. Uh, and it's a, uh, you know, a pretty sizable amount and stuff. As my wife and I were discussing yesterday, we, we spent the better part of almost six months looking for a home. Uh, the market is just absolutely friggin' insane, or at least it was up until about a month or so ago. And then it began uh, calming down a bit. And so we found this home in Gainesville, uh, that uh, has accessibility for my wife, uh, for her job. It's not like, you know, you got to go down uh, 24 different winding streets to get to the highway. Uh, it's fairly accessible. So we're very happy. We find this home, and then we're uh, crossing all the T's, dotting all the I's, if you will, Bear. And so I have this account with Nationwide that I'm going to uh, to close out and use the money that has been, uh, you know, s- kept there as part of our down payment. 
stop me if you're uh, losing track of the story here, Bear. Okay. No, no, I'm I'm actually making notes as you're speaking. Thank you. Well. I appreciate that. So uh, anyway, so now it's time to close out the the nationwide account. We go ahead and do this. Well, as uh, happens, uh, you know, a lot of times they deduct X amount of dollars for taxes. Okay, so that we don't wind up with the kick in the crotch that sure. we had last year. So let's just say, for example, they took out, I don't know, 15, 20% for taxes. And trust me, in a way, I'm happy they do that so that we don't get the kick in the crotch at the end of the year. So what happened? I'm just, I'm just going to use random numbers, okay? Let's just say that uh, we were uh, taking out, uh, we had taken out my account with $10,000. And after taxes, what they gave us was $8,000. And, uh, and that's, I'm just using that cause that's a 20% nice round number because you know, I'm not great at math. So what happens is the mortgage company that, uh, we're going through needs, uh, all this kind of information. And so, you know, like we need to, you know, we need to have you send us the proof of where you got the money out. And the reason they need the proof Barry is because what you can't do is Barry Rose can't say, Hey Jeff, here's 10 grand. I'm going to give you so that you can use to buy your house because, you know, Barry is very generous and we're friends and that would be nice sure. of him. But no, you yeah. can't do that because then some way that affects your mortgage. I'm sure Jana and, and Frankie know what this is all about, but, you know, whatever. It, it affects the fact that, uh, you know, uh, how they apply the mortgage and, and all the I don't know, taxes and all this kind of stuff. So you have to be able to show where all the money came from. So. Because there was a difference, we can't just say, oh, well, you got it from Nationwide and they took taxes out. No, they don't want to believe that. You got to have the old paper trail. So then we contact Nationwide and it was on a Monday, a couple of weeks back. And we said, uh, yeah, you guys, uh, we took out the, uh, the, the bulk of our account, which was $10,000. Again, I'm just using the numbers, uh, you know, as an example here, uh, it was $10,000. And, but what you guys paid out after the taxes were taken out was eight. We need something in writing from you saying, you know, the account had $10,000. We distributed $8,000 because we took out $2,000 in taxes. And so they said, okay, well, uh, that usually takes uh, three to five business days uh, for us to uh, get that ready. And, uh, to do it. and my wife's like, look, all I need is an email. I don't need you guys to send me something by mail. Just send an email and then I can pass it on to the mortgage company because we're trying to buy a house. Oh, yeah, it'll take three to five business days. Okay. So, uh, by the way, uh, that was after my wife, I think, had been on the phone for yeah, probably 20, 25 minutes, something like that. Uh, because <laughs> here's a little little shocker for everybody. When you call these companies, don't expect that it's going to be a five to 10 minute phone call. <laughs> no. So five business days go by and it's Friday and it's about mm, 10 till five. And we call up uh, Nationwide because my wife's like, I have not heard from them. I haven't gotten an email or nothing else. And we're getting a little bit close to where our closing day is, and we have to have all this documentation. So meanwhile, Barry, we had put down thousands of dollars as a hold on the house, okay? And what our concern was is we get to the date where the closing is, and for whatever reason, we can't provide the proof to the mortgage company of where this money came from, how it was distributed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We could potentially lose the house. And guess what else would we lose? The thousands of dollars that we have to oh, hold God. the house, you know? And so uh, a little bit of stress going on in the Bowdrin household, as you might imagine. 
So we're calling us 10 till 5, and we uh, get through, and we say, yeah, look, here's the uh, situation here. Uh, you know, what can you do? And uh, at 10 till 5, the young lady who answered the phone actually said the words to us, Barry. Well, you know, uh, technically speaking, it hasn't been five days yet. Wow. I'm like, what are you, what are you kidding me? It's 10 to <sighs> five. And, uh, you know, I almost got a promo on her, but you know, uh, the sainted Mrs. Bowdrin, because she is this way. She is the yin to my yang. She is the, uh, the ice to my fire. If you will, it's like patting me on there. I'm going, hey, calm down, calm down, calm down. And so, uh, so we say, well, let me put you on hold and I'm going to look into it. So she goes to put uh, us on hold. So then what happens is the girl comes back on the phone and says, uh, well, we haven't uh, got the, uh, the document for you, uh, you know, yet. Uh, I don't know what the story is here. Uh, and so we said, well, uh, can we talk to a supervisor? Well, okay, uh, but the, they're real busy. Now, Barry, I have to tell you, apparently, based on our experiences on approximately four to five calls that we made over uh, about a two-week period to Nationwide, there is nobody on this planet quite as busy as a supervisor from Nationwide. Right. Because boy, oh boy, trying to get a hold of them uh, and, and not wait for literally up to an hour is something that just doesn't happen. So uh, I'm just going to mention that to any of you that <laughs> have nationwide. Those poor nationwide managers, Jeff, just uh, being overworked, poor people. It's like being a, a, a member of a management for, uh, for open table. <clears throat> but anyway, I digress. <coughs> Thank you. A little cough there. So uh, yeah, just, just a little, yeah. So we finally, after a wake of, a, mm, I want to say half hour, 45 minutes, a supervisor suddenly becomes available to us. And I, I told Mrs. Bowdrin after a while, I said, you know what this game is? They're going to put you on hold and see if you hang up and say, fuck it. I, I can't wait. Okay. That's right. I absolutely believe that's the truth. And somebody comes on. Oh, how can I help you? Uh, you know, and then uh, uh, the, the guy we speak to said, well, first of all, I don't know why someone told you three to five business days. This generally speaking takes up to two weeks. Again, we're talking about an email. This is not, hey, I need you to, uh, you know, uh, do uh, some sort of uh, documentation and mail it to me. Uh, and we could certainly understand that it would take a while if you mailed it to us. This is an email and it should really take you all of about two minutes tops. Okay. But apparently asking for this is causing all kind of drama at nationwide with those overworked and busy supervisors. Aww. So he says, well, I tell you what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to send a note to our uh, document people and let them know that you need this. And, and you know, Kim's going, well, look, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to buy a house here. And if we don't have this document, we may lose the deposit we put on this house. Oh, well, of course, we're so concerned for you. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm going to get this out to you. Uh, I'm going to see if I can get it to you by tomorrow. Well, guess what? Tomorrow came uh -oh. and we <laughs> still hadn't got the document. So Kim's like, all right, we're going to call them up again. And so we called them up again and went through the whole same way, you know, rigmarole. Oh, can we speak to a supervisor? Well, they're very busy. Uh, that must be, you know, you know how some companies, they have like a little, uh, a sheet there with all the different buzzwords and things you're supposed to oh, say. Oh yeah. And yep. Apparently, one of their buzzwords is the supervisors are really busy. So what <laughs> happens is the supervisor comes on again at 45 minutes, something like that. And we explain the situation. And he says, uh, wow, this is uh, this is crazy. And I, I told him, uh, you know, I said, look, the first person we talked to uh, just very uh, 
had a could give a shit attitude. Uh, you know, I said, I understand you have people that are phone reps that that are dealing with people. I said, but you know, I said, you really need to train these people better. First of all, the whole, uh, you know, three to five business days, if it wasn't three to five business days, don't tell us that, you know, what you need to do is if it's going to take five days, say 10. That way, if we get it in five, we're going to go, wow, how about those folks from nationwide? They took care of us. If you say five and it's going to take 10, we're going to go, what's fucking going on with those people at nation? You know, you get my drift. So oh, yeah. the guy we speak to said, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to send a, an email over to, uh, you know, our folks or a message over to our folks in the documents. And I'm going to tell them this is a, you know, priority one rush uh, and you should get it by Monday. Okay. So now we're I'm trying to think here, seven days into this uh, search for the, apparently the holy grail of documents. And so uh, the, the one key is the guy we were speaking to here says, now uh, I'm going to send this over to him, tell him to rush it. Uh, but I got to tell you, uh, and mind you, this is a Saturday. He says, I'm not here on, uh, on Monday because, you know, he works the, uh, the shift where it's Sunday and Monday are off, I'm sure. So he said, but I'm going to make sure it's get, it gets done for you. Okay. And so, uh, yeah, so uh, Monday comes and uh, I know you'll be shocked to hear that we still <laughs> didn't have the document. Okay. So now yeah. Mrs. Baldron has begun in earnest to freak the hell out. Okay. And she says, you know, I don't know what the problem is. Let me talk to a supervisor. Okay. Well, they're real busy, but we're going to put you on hold. And you know, the other interesting thing is, you know, if you're going to do this, okay, strictly from a public relations point of view, why don't you, as the person handling the call, who's waiting for a supervisor, check in like maybe every five or 10 minutes. Are you still there? You know, I'm doing my best, uh, you know, but sure. you know, I'm trying to, to flag them down. I just want you to know, I haven't forgot about you. No, we sat on hold for up to 45 minutes and nobody came in until the supervisor wow. finally picked the flag. I'm mean, like, that's just horseshit. Like that is absolute horseshit, with you, you know? And yep. so anyway, so, uh, get the guy on the phone, the supervisor, and he's like, well, you know, I don't know what the problem is, but, uh, we're going to put a rush on this. Uh, not the first time we've uh, heard that word, obviously, uh, uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to lose this house. If you guys don't get us. This and again, we're asking for an email. All we need you to do is say, we took taxes out and that's why there's a difference in what their balance was and what their balance that was sent out to them that they, they deposited in the bank. That's why there's a difference. Uh, we're asking so much, Barry. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. As, put a rush. as customers who have been paying their premiums for years. Exactamundo. You're asking for a lot. Sure, you yeah. are. So anyway, so now we're down to Tuesday, okay? And uh, we are literally a day away from we're, we're going into uh, getting the prep work on the documentation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so uh, I get a phone call. From the wife saying, uh, you know, I, I still haven't got this yet. Uh, uh, what do you call? Uh, so I need you to call them again. Okay. So I I, I called them again. Uh, was put on hold uh, for. Oh wait a minute. I'm sorry. I forgot one key part of this story. The night before, the Monday night, Mrs. Baldwin that time was on hold for a solid hour. I want to say like hour and ten minutes, something like that. Oh. To the point where I got my phone and I called the company. Got the guy on the phone, explained to him. I said, my wife is on her phone in the uh, dining room. She's been on hold for an hour and 10 minutes. That's kind of ridiculous, don't you think so? Oh, sir, that's horrible. I don't know why. Oh, you know, all I can do is apologize. And at that point, I was pretty cheesed off. And I go, you sure. know what? 
stuff your apology. I don't want your apology. I want a supervisor and I want one now. I don't want you to put me on hold for an hour because that's just absolutely ludicrous. I said, we are going to lose a house that we put money on because if your people can't get us a stinking email, give me a supervisor, give it to me now, or else I'm going to really go off on somebody. Okay. Oh, okay. I'm going to have to put you on hold for just a second. Of course. You know? oh. And so anyway, so, uh, then, of course, while I'm on hold, the supervisor comes on with Mrs. Baldron, and, uh, you know, we're, we're like, you know, what, what the hell are you guys doing down there that you uh, put people on hold for an hour and, and 15 minutes? And then he said, well, I'm going to put a rush on this. And, uh, you know, uh, Kim's like, well, can you assure me that uh, I'm going to uh, get this uh, email? Uh, you know, well, I can't guarantee anything. Oh, God forbid. We asked you to guarantee that we'll get an email, you know? So what happened was the next day, Kim said, uh, I still haven't got anything. Uh, they sent an email saying now that we need to uh, request certain forms and the forms may take up to five days to be delivered by mail. So one of the things that happened throughout this whole process, we were like, first of all, we were getting uh, information that where the lines were crossed, you know, the first thing was the five days, then, oh, no, it should have taken 10 days. And now this guy tells us, you know, that via email, well, you're going to need to send the forms in. We keep getting a different message, okay? What is one thing that Barry Rose likes to talk about when it comes to the restaurant business and a particular location? What is that word, Barry, that you seek when it comes to a restaurant? Uh, consistency? Yes, Thank you. And that is absolutely what we did not get from Nationwide was any sort of consistent message. The message kept changing. The pieces on the chessboard kept moving, except we weren't friggin' moving them. Now then. So I call up and I say, look, my wife's got this email and uh, it says we got to do some kind of forms. And, uh, you know, we, we don't know what's going on. We're going to lose this house now. And so the lady's like, well, let me uh, pull up here uh, the, the form that was sent. You said it was sent to you this morning? Yes, it was sent to me this morning. And so I did it. She's looking up. Well, I see here. Uh, oh, well, did you see the bottom of the email? Uh, bottom of the email. <laughs> well, what, what do you mean? Yeah, well, my wife called me and said, uh, you know, she's panicking. Uh, they sent me an email. This request. And so I start scrolling down to the bottom of the email because, of course, there's all the different legalese and stuff in there. Sure. And there at the bottom of the email, Barry, is the uh, PDF file explaining that the differences in the balances was because taxes had been taken out. So we finally, after 10 days, got, uh, let me see, doing the math, maybe it was nine days, got what we had requested originally in the form of this email that I still do not understand. I won't bang the table. Lou doesn't like me doing that. I still don't understand why it took them nine or 10 days to send us an email saying, uh, yeah, the difference is because uh, we took out taxes. Nationwide I is not on your side, people. Don't believe it. It, they're absolutely not. Uh, first off, the the insurance industry is so interesting, and I know that we have uh, people that work within that that business here. But none of these insurance companies, even though Nationwide will tell you that they're on your side, or Progressive will do these fun commercials with Flo and John Hamm, and then there's a duck that does a commercial, and there's an emu, limu emu. All the insurance commercials are all lighthearted. They're fun. Uh, there's mayhem. That's another one. They all do it. None of these, not one of these insurance companies gives a fuck about you. 
Uh, and when I say you, Jeff, I mean anyone in general. They are in business to hold on and create revenue. That is it. They will put you through the hoops. They will fight you on claims. It is the biggest piece of horseshit what has occurred within the insurance industry, I would say, over the last 50 years. I don't know how long it's been going on for. So I If you are a day late making companies. your payment, you can guarantee they're going to reach out to you <laughs> via email. We did not get your payment. Yep. But if you have a claim, all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, there's a process that, uh, you know, uh, come, uh, you have to do and we need to proceed. And, you know, I got to tell you, the one insurance company I will not speak negatively about, uh, you know, very fortunate that my father was in the military. And uh, if you have a family member that was ever uh, military in any way, uh, you are eligible to be uh, a member of USAA. Uh, and USAA has been our uh, our homeowners insurance. Uh, it's been our car insurance. It's my kid. You know, once you've got that one connecting, uh, you know, tissue there, uh, that's my dad. My kids uh, use USAA uh, for their car car insurance and stuff like that. That is a company I don't have any complaints with because anytime we've ever needed something from USAA, they came through. But you're right; these other companies, they're in the business of getting your money and doing whatever it takes not to give it back when the time comes. I like that commercial as well. USAA. Yes. So exactly. let me ask you about that because this may be a revelation for not only myself, the lovely and venerable co-host of Breaking Kayfabe with Bowdrin and Barry, but also someone whose father was in the military. Even though my father is deceased some 28 years, would I be able to get this type of insurance and deal with USAA? Absolutely, you can. Wow. Well, you know what? I think that's a done deal then. Because again, much like you, I have the ultimate respect for military. But at the same time, I, I truly believe they're on, they're on our side. So absolutely. I am going to be making that call shortly today. I love it. So Barry, you know, recently the sainted Mrs. Bowdrin celebrating a birthday on August the 5th. And so my wife, you know, I'm like, uh, what do you want for your birthday? You know, what, you know, what are you going to... What are you going to get her? I, I got to be honest with you. One of the things I got to say as a guy uh, that I'm very fortunate. My wife's not one of these. Uh, uh, get me a necklace. Get me a diamond, some diamond jewelry. And she's not really into that. She's, you know, more of a let's go someplace. So my wife decided that where she wanted to go, a place that we'd been to, eh, I want to say like maybe four or five years ago. Barry, we traveled up to the Ocoee River, uh, which, by the way, do you know what the Ocoee River is famous for, Barry? Uh, it's where they filmed the, the scenes from deliverance. Correct. Mundo. They actually have t-shirts saying, if you hear uh, banjo music, start running, uh, yeah. which is kind of funny, but, uh, yeah, no, <clears throat> we'd been there a few years back, had a tremendously fun time. Uh, it is what they call a level four rapids. Uh, you got the, uh, one through five, your five is like, I don't know, Snake River Canyon uh, out in Colorado, where you're uh, basically fearing for your life, uh, you know, and and praying to your uh, your God uh, to take you from the grips of sweet death. But when it comes to the Okoye River, it's a level four, which means you're going to have a hell of a good time. You're going to have a couple times where you're going, whoa, and, you know, and that kind of stuff. So we went there. Uh, my uh, my daughter, her husband, my son, myself, and Kim, all when I posted some pictures up there. And we had the chance, Barry, we were very lucky because one of the things very important is to get the right guide. And we were really lucky. And I want to give a shout out to uh, our man, Mayo, uh, who is the guide that took us down the river. 
We had so much fun with Mayo and anyone, uh, the, the name of the company is Rolling Thunder. Uh, and they, uh, they will take you down the rafts and you know, it's, there's actually two different rides. You can take the ride that is basically, I want to say about a three hour ride down the rapids. And then there's the one where you go and it's the entire day. Now that doesn't mean you like go, uh, where the first, uh, one I described is yeah, pick up the raft and go back to the start again. No, they take you further up the mouth of the river. So it's a longer day long trip. And I got to tell you, it's unbelievable. First of all, it's unbelievably beautiful that we actually went in. Uh, when you start the trip, you start it in Tennessee. You're right on the Tennessee Georgia border. Uh, the town up there, it's really interesting. You literally, you take a there's a a, a three way stop. You take a right, and you uh, you go into uh, to Georgia. You're still in Georgia. You take a left. You go across railroad tracks and you're in Tennessee. Uh, and it's just absolutely beautiful up there. We had so much fun. Mayo completely took care of us and was a good guy. Uh, talked a little sports with them and uh, about, you know, started talking about our families and everything because you got a few hours. Highly, highly recommend anyone who is looking for this sort of uh, fun trip. And it's something you can do in a day. Rolling Thunder is the name of the uh, the company that uh, will hook you up. Barry Rose, have you ever done the rapids? I have not. So I've gone tubing down the Delaware River, but it's not a rapids thing. First off, happy belated birthday to the sainted Mrs. Bowdern. And I agree with her philosophy. And I think it's Ewan McGregor is doing a commercial that is out there. And it says, when you die, you don't take it with you. And I forget exactly what the verbiage is. Yeah, I know the one is, you're but, talking about. Yeah, but I agree with her. Look, to me, I, I don't have a lot of physical possessions, but God knows I take a vacation every three weeks, right? So it to me, it's much more important than instead of having physical possessions, I'd rather be out experiencing things in the world. And uh, it sounds like Mrs. Bowdrum, which is probably why we get along so well, why, why we're, we're, we're besties. Uh, would be you based mean you off you and Kim of, or you and me? Uh, me and Kim. Me okay. and, you and I are close, Jeff, but well, Kim and I are besties. So uh, the cat's out of the bag with that one. So sounds like a lot of fun. A uh, couple of questions for you. I, I've i personally never met someone named Mayo. So maybe you could. <laughs> I, I don't know. That's what he told us the, his name was. Okay. <laughs> I didn't go into the research of his family lineage. As right. white what was, was Mayo? Was he Native American? No, no, like, he's a white guy. So white guy just yeah, like named a, you Mayo. Know, Southern guy, uh, you know. Was he and, was he super white, like the color of no, Mayo? No, not at all. He he talked about his, uh, and this is this is actually kind of interesting. <laughs> what he does is during the summer months, he works the ECOE. He's been doing this for, I think he said, uh, he, he told us he was, I think, 37. And I think <laughs> at least 15 years, if not longer, he's, wow. he does this river. He knows this river. And like, you know, he knows where all the, the bumps are. And he will, he told us this great story about how, when, uh, he took this group of German tourists out and he said, these Germans wanted to experience all the bad side of the river uh, as for fun. So they asked him, can you tip us over? <laughs> and he said, you sure you want me to do that? And he's like, uh, and they're like, yeah, yeah. And tip us over. And he got him to a part, uh, in the, uh, in the river where he tips them over. And, you know, he knew it was a place where they would be tipped over and it was relatively safe. You know, he's not going to tip them over where you're going to be thrown onto the rocks or something like that. But he says there are people, and he told us a story about a woman that he took out 
with her. She was uh, with a group of a family, and the woman was 73 years old. Okay, and the 73 year old woman said, "I want you to tip us over. I want to be able to experience that," which I thought was awesome. That you know, someone 73 years old and still wants to embrace uh, that sense of adventure, that sense of life, and uh, yeah, that's 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 pretty cool. But Mayo was a lot of fun, Bear. Yeah, and he sounds. Uh, and my my next question too: Did you happen to get one of those T-shirts? Because that sounds like uh, something I'd have to have. <laughs> I, I think actually, I think we had a shirt from like the first time we went, like like I said, five or six years ago. So the other thing I was going to tell you was, so he does this during the summer months, and then during the winter months, he goes up to I don't know if it was. Uh, Breckenridge or Vale, and he's like a ski instructor. Oh, so Mayo's like the real deal, though. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, he, he doesn't do this as a summer job. He's he's got the summer job, the winter job, and then he he tells us in between. That's when he goes and visits his mom. <laughs> so <Does he, laughs> that, where, that was pretty any, funny. So any idea where Mayo is from? I think he said maybe Bama. Uh, that okay. might because he he was a, a Crimson Tide fan, so he might have uh, you know. But he uh, had the Notre Dame hat on. He respected the, the Notre Dame hat, and we had a good conversation about college ball. Uh, so uh, yeah, so I'm going to put this out there to the group. Who uh, amongst the brothership? And if you're not a member of the brothership, Barry. If you're not a member of the Brothership, really, we have to ask, why not? It is why not? The Facebook group, the Brothership, is an extension of what you hear on this podcast. We discuss the same topics. There's also some exclusive content strictly for the Facebook Brothership group. Uh, these are the three best friends you didn't know that you had. Now you know you got them. Join the Facebook group. Amen to that. Amen to that. So, so I'm going to post in the group a question. How many of you have done the rapids anywhere uh, in this country or another country. And how high did you go on the, uh, the one to five scale? Have you ever ridden the rapids? Barry, as we begin the old going around the curve, ridden uh, or riding as it were uh, for home, are you about ready to close the book on another episode of breaking cave fable about Barry? This was a lot of fun, Jeff, but I am ready. This is uh, I'm a little winded after this episode. I think you're yes. going to need a cold, refreshing beverage after sharing all those food-related stories mm. with us and uh, your love and uh, for all things Sunshine State uh, and the state of Florida. Good stuff. Uh, my hatred for uh, Nationwide has not ebbed or flowed. Uh, it is still there, still highly pissed, even though we finally got the damn documents. So on that note, I will remind you that Breaking Cafe with Bowdrin and Barry, a production. In fact, in fact, it is a production. I'm going to say it twice. Of right. the Arcadian, the Arcadian, Vanguard, Vanguard, Podcast, Podcast, Network, Network. Take it home, please.